For the 16th episode of the ACC Now podcast, we decided it was long past time to have just a regular, ordinary, average fan on. Someone who was a fan of maybe North Carolina, grew up in the state. Uh, we'll just call him uh, Roy from Nashville, uh, I think is the best way to say it. That's Governor Roy Cooper. I'm News and Observer sports columnist Luke DeCock. Governor, thank you so much for joining us. I feel like it was only about... Uh, well, a few hours ago that you were standing on the court unveiling road signs honoring Roy Williams and Dean Smith. I, I'm about as average a fan as you can possibly be, and I, and I am a fan to the core of sports in general because I, th- I think sports do so much in, for people's lives and our entertainment and our economy, and I just have loved it from the, I'm sure, the time I was born as a kid, sports have been had meant so much to me so it was, it's great being here with you and talking with you well well thank you and and you were at you were at the unc duke game on saturday so let's they play start there. they played they played yes. this saturday apparently did they <laughs> uh, you obviously have some loyalties that you came into office with uh how do you sort of manage uh the your many sports constituencies despite your alma mater you, you got to be yourself and you got to be who you are. And so I've, you know, I've been a Tar Heel fan and I, I don't mind saying so. I was there Saturday, I think probably one of the most brutal games I've sat through in a long time. I don't remember a worse Carolina Duke game. It's usually, even if the, the, the teams are apart in abilities and that has happened from year to year, it's usually a decent game with some runs and that kind of thing. But it it was uh, a, a really poor performance by the Tar Heel, and just a superior performance by the Blue Devils. What's your favorite UNC Duke memory? Oh man, that's hard. Got to involve some half court shots, probably. I think the Stackhouse dunk uh, has to has to go there. Uh, there've been so many games, and I think what's so great about them is that they're always close and nail-biting. Uh, I've enjoyed – I think I'm batting 500 in Cameron. <laughs> I've been to four four Carolina Duke games in Cameron. That's always a, a treat to go there. And it'll be interesting as Krzyzewski waves goodbye and Shire takes over, whether the personalities of the team will change. And, of course, now we've got the first year of Hubert Davis – two young coaches, and we'll see if that intense rivalry can be maintained. Because like when I was in Chapel Hill, North Carolina State was our big rival at the time. Sure. It wasn't Duke at the time. And so we'll see if this continues to be the rivalry. I think the greatest rivalry in sports, we'll see if it continues that way. You and Roy Williams feel the same way, I think, about State and Duke. That was always his. <laughs> that was always the one that stuck in his his craw. You mentioned K. What has Mike Krzyzewski, as a, as a UNC fan, meant to the state of North Carolina? Well, I appreciated him uh, doing public service announcements for us when we asked. He got out there and told people to get vaccinated uh, along with Roy Williams so, and, and when, you, when you bring this much attention to the state of North Carolina, then it, it's got to be positive. I mean, when, when you 
think about Carolina Duke. And, and when I go across the country, that's something people ask me about is ACC basketball and Carolina Duke rivalry. And can you get me into a Carolina <laughs> Duke game, regardless of whether it's in Chapel Hill and Duke or Duke? So I, I, I think that he has certainly brought that standard of excellence to, to the state. And we Carolina fans, I'm sure, will be glad to see him ride off into the sunset. <laughs> Uh, how high on the political pecking order does someone have to be where you will exert your power to get them a ticket to that to one of those games? Look, I take I take good friends. I, I took some of the, my hardworking staff uh, to the game on Saturday, and now they probably will be forever banned for the rest of the season because of. And maybe I will by myself. But you know, it's been a busy last couple of years, so I haven't had as much time as I wanted to, to, to spend going to sporting events and paying as much attention to it, but I still love it to the core and record games and watch them on my iPad when I'm traveling late at night. It's just a fun thing to do. A couple of years ago, we watched a hurricanes together, uh, hurricanes game together, uh, for a column. I think the headline was Kaniac in chief. Uh, which was uh, I, I, I enjoyed, I think, because it meant a lot to the hockey team and community to have a governor who grew up here uh, become such a big hockey fan. Uh, but you mentioned when we were there that you had been to several Final Fours. Uh, I don't remember how many, but in that time, you had never actually seen UNC win a Final Four game. Is that still true? Yeah, that that's still true today, and in, and in fact. Uh, when I was governor, uh, we UNC went to a Final Four, and several of the legislators came over and said that I had to go to the Final Four. I was governor. I had to go and show the flag. And I said, I, we've got things going on here. I, I, don't, I really don't think I can go. And we did have a very busy time. There was some legislation pending. We were trying to get rid of the House Bill 2 stuff. It was just, I, I couldn't. I really couldn't leave. And they continued to insist. And I, I finally said to them, you realize that every Final Four that I've ever been to, not only has Carolina lost, Carolina lost the first game. They looked at each other and said, you really don't need to go <laughs> to the Final Four. And I didn't. And, of course, the Tar Heels came back with the, two, the 2017 National Championship. So maybe that's a message to me. I, how many Final Fours have you been to? I think maybe four. Okay. Four of yeah. them. Well, I'll tell you, that's a pretty good sample size. Indianapolis, yeah, was, was the one where uh, Carolina played Kansas. Roy Williams was coaching Kansas. Dean Smith was coaching North Carolina. Dean got tossed out of the game. I think Rick Fox went one for 14. We lost that first game, the very first game, and the entire Duke session section was pulling against us the entire time. And I actually went back Monday night. I think that was the first Final Four I'd ever been to and saw Duke beat, uh, I think it was UNLV, right? Wasn't that yeah. that, that time uh, that UNLV was supposed to be unstoppable and unbeatable and Duke won the national championship? Yeah, 91. Yep. So maybe that, I think that was my first one. Interesting. Well, it's a pretty impressive one to uh, to start out with. 
Yeah, and I sat beside for a little while Coach Dale Brown of LSU, wow. and he was telling me all about Shaquille O'Neal, and I was pumping him with questions. So, well, you had, you yeah, had that the, was fun. You had the good seats. If you're sitting with well, the actually, coaches, they weren't that the good. good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he was it. not in a great. He was not in a great seat. <laughs> Dale Brown must have been on the outs with the uh, the coaches <laughs> the coaches committee. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know, we you mentioned this earlier. You obviously come by this naturally, growing up where you grew up, going there. What were your what are your memories sort of of the ACC growing up uh, in in Nash County? Did did they wheel the cart into the into the, the with the TV on it into the room for you in, in so your you, era? Luke, I'm a little older than that. <laughs> uh, you got to remember that the greatest day in sports was Friday ACC tournament day when there were eight teams. And when it meant that you had to win the ACC tournament in order to advance in the NCAA, that's what made it so great. And that Friday for years was not televised. So what they did wheel into the PE class was the radio. And we would listen to those Friday afternoon games. And of course, we'd listen to the, the evening games where you'd see the, the great upsets uh, all of the tension from even if you were undefeated going into the ACC tournament, you knew that if you lost, you were not going to the NCAA. And you think about probably the greatest ACC tournament game ever played, uh, Maryland and NC State in 1974. Maryland losing that game in what, double overtime, triple overtime, uh, was probably the second best team in the country that year with John Lucas and Tom McMillan and uh, Lenny Elmore and that, and that group. So the, I remember that and remember looking forward to those Fridays and remember when I got to college that the first time I ever went to an ACC tournament game was going to the Greensboro Coliseum, waiting outside after the afternoon games, usually waiting by the Clemson side because <laughs> they would lose. And you'd have a lot of the Ipte rich Clemson donors who would sell you a ticket for face value. They weren't looking to make any money. They just wanted to get rid of them and lead town. And therefore we would get into the ACC tournament. And that was, that was pretty special as a kid in college, going to my first ACC tournament that way. I was lucky enough to cover the last nine team tournament where all in this case, nine fan bases we're in the building at the same time. And it really was that sort of convention festival. Uh, it just was a, it was a different field than it is now. And yeah. I get, you know, change happens and it's evolution and all of that, but I'm glad I got a little piece of that. It, it's, it's still a great event, but it, it just doesn't have the drama that it had then, you know, it has some drama for some of the bubble teams and, you know, they got to win a couple, but all or nothing games, and you're seeing a number eight beat a number one and those kinds of things, uh, you know, made the ACC really special. And the tournament, I think, uh, played a lot into that. And of course, I was growing up too. I mean, I know we're, we're supposed to stay on ACC stuff, but I was a big Carolina Cougars ABA sure. fan. And I would listen to those games on the radio. I had a red, white, and blue basketball I love the three-pointer and still feel cheated to this day that in high school we had no three-point line when I was playing. So were, I were know. You a, what a, were you a decent basketball player? I was a decent basketball player, yeah. I started on my 
high school basketball team and uh, Northern Nash High School and Rocky Mount. Our our rivals was Rocky Mount High School, where Phil Ford played. Phil was a year ahead of me, and uh, you you've heard the story about me blocking Phil Ford's shot, which let's, I did. Uh, let's hear high it. school. Tell huh? tell it from the tell the whole story. Our well, listeners may have not. But well, one Friday night, the Rocky Mount High School gym, uh, I, Roy Cooper, blocked Phil Ford's shot. Phil got 52 points that night, but by God, he did not get 54. Uh, Phil will confirm this, and uh, it's really funny because we never, ever beat Rocky Mount with Phil playing and the only reason i blocked the shot we triple teamed him and i was the last guy and he was doing a scoop shot but it was still a block shot and in my book still counted but uh finally my senior year after phil was gone we want we beat them twice in the regular season once in a christmas tournament and then then in the playoffs so wow. phil ford to this day and i'd say this to kenny to the jet that he is still the greatest point guard in UNC basketball history. And it's just a shame they did not win a national championship. Injuries so, kept them from it, but yes, anyway. yes. but There's, yeah, that's, that's my, I thought you had heard my Phil Ford story. Well, I've heard it, but I don't, you know, I, it's not as exciting if I tell it on a, on a podcast. <laughs> okay, I don't, you tricked I don't, me I don't, into telling it. Okay. That's all. That's think. okay. <laughs> well, and it's interesting. I mean, obviously you were at UNC when Phil Ford was playing and in 2016, Phil Ford, uh, endorsed you. Um, so I guess it all, yeah. it all comes full circle in the end. You know, one of the funniest that you remember NC state was our rival. And I, I, I think I've got this story, right. But of course, coach Norman Sloan, Storm and Norman was coach of North Carolina state. And it was Phil Ford's senior night in Carmichael auditorium. And coach Sloan said, I looked out and Phil Ford was crying and Walter Davis was crying and Coach Dean Smith was crying, and I knew I'd be crying at the end of the night. <laughs> but they, there were some great teams, and the the four corners. Dean, you got everybody has to remember that Dean Smith was calling for the shot clock rule change, even while he was running the four corners. So, I'm I'm glad they did change the rule because that could be some pretty boring basketball. But he did he did what it, what he thought he needed to do to win. Did you get to know him at all? Coach Smith, a little bit, not very much. Uh, I, I talked to him a couple of times. You know, he his contributions on the court speak for themselves, but the kind of person that he was, uh, you know, his contributions to the community, his contributions to race relations, uh, to society, uh, tower and and you think about all of the stories bringing charlie scott onto campus and uh what he was able to do to help change things uh, i think spoke volumes about him and i think one of the the unsung heroes in that who you you may have known or run across at some point uh was his minister was, was reverend yes. seymour bob seymour at, at binkley baptist in chapel hill who was that's right in some ways I don't want to say Dean's conscience, but he was a, not just a spiritual advisor. He was a moral advisor. And I think that they were a, a sort of partnership uh, that could get things done, um, especially in, in Orange County. Um, 
that's always that was always his the speech he gave at Dean Smith's memorial service that was basically like it's fine for all of you to sit here and honor this man but if you really want to honor him go out and do the kind of things he would do that yeah. was that's what resonated with me from from that afternoon more than anything uh let me I want to ask you about another sports figure uh have you gotten to know the new ACC commissioner Jim Phillips at all I, I have not. Okay. I, I've talked to him, but I haven't gotten to know him. Uh, obviously, I got to know John Swafford quite a bit as we went through working to repeal House Bill 2. And uh, he has done a lot to grow the ACC. But now Jim Phillips has to manage it. Yeah. And it's going to be a real challenge, uh, particularly now that we're coming out of this pandemic. I hope we're coming out strong and uh, better than before, but it's been a tough couple of years and they've got some big decisions that they need to make with an ever-changing environment with, with players and name likeness and image and uh, with transfer portal, sure. with conferences gobbling each other up and uh, real, real, big decisions to make uh, to keep the ACC at the forefront and uh, keep it relevant. There's big challenges. You, you mentioned NIL. It was interesting as, as July 1st of last year came around, North Carolina was one of the few states in the ACC footprint that didn't have a law uh, or a, a bill that was close to passage. You went ahead and sort of did it by executive order. Were you concerned about the schools in the state falling behind in this landscape? I, I was, and our, our schools were asking for guidelines, and they sort of wanted to be on the same playing field. That made sense. So when the legislature did not step up, we issued an executive order that all of the schools looked at it and said, we, we got their input on it. And so, uh, you know, it's still the legislature hasn't acted, and I think the executive order did what we intended it to do was just sort of level set the playing field. There are probably some things that need to be done that aren't in it and maybe some things that need to be taken out. But I, I do think that uh, I think our schools, we want to keep them on pace and uh, to, to make sure that they are uh, continue to be ready to recruit and ready to stay competitive. It's, it's a, it is an interesting and, and changing landscape. Um, what other aspect of it that is changing is, is sports gambling. That's something that's been under sort of consideration in the state. Um, Virginia has it now. Uh, you know, wh wh what are your thoughts on that? Is that something that, again, like the Hurricanes feel like they need it to be competitive um, as a source of funding? Are we headed in that direction? Well, it's here whether we like it or not. And the issue is, will North Carolina try to be on the cutting edge for the technology jobs and other employment that it will create uh, and plus be able to get uh, state taxpayers their cut, or are we just going to let it happen all around us? And, you know, I think it's time for us to step up and do it. Uh, the legislation that is being considered, uh, I, you know, I think probably there needs to be more state tax dollars involved in this, a, a, a bigger cut for the people. And it's complicated, but I think there needs to be a free and open debate 
we need to do what's best for the people of North Carolina. And, and, and I support the move toward it. Clearly there are people that get addicted and, and it causes some significant harm to families, but I think that is probably already happening and we need to make sure that people can get the treatment that they need. And I think it's time for North Carolina to, to step up and do this. Uh, gambling aside, you sports seems like it's kind of been woven throughout your tenure, even as attorney general, um, uh, just sports issues. You mentioned HB two earlier. What do you think the state can do for college sports going forward uh, to help it grow and thrive here? I mean, there's a running sort of current of thought that the ACC in some ways has fallen behind. Um, it's not been a great basketball season for UNC or NC State or some other schools. Is there anything that we can do as a state to help that along? Or is that something that the ACC kind of has to do itself? You know, Luke, I think we have to look at it more broadly. I, I always believe that uh, sports teaches you about life. And, and I know that that's a little corny, but if you ever played team sports, you recognize how much you depend on each other, how you learn to overcome obstacles by working together uh, toward one mission. And I've always loved sports because I think it's helped me in, in my leadership abilities and things that I've done throughout my life. So I think we need to start it early. We need to provide sports opportunities for children in elementary, middle, and high school. And we need to, to make sure those opportunities are robust and think about not just the ACC, but all of the other colleges that we have in North Carolina and the opportunities for scholarship athletes all across our state. Uh, the ACC certainly is the premier conference and, you know, they mean a lot to our state, not just because of the scholarship athletes, but, but people look at athletics as a way to draw healthcare dollars and academic dollars and uh, like it or not, it does. And I know that some of the faculty get concerned when too much emphasis is put on sports and probably is, but I think most any university will tell you that if a team is doing well in sports, it, it raises the profile of the school and it helps money get donated to the school for endowing professorships and scientific research and all of the things that you need to make a great university. So it all works together. And you know, I hope that we can continue to support the ACC as it makes these decisions and that we continue to provide the economic structure that we need. And we, we know it's good to have NCAA tournament games in uh, NCAA football games in, in North Carolina. And we want to keep encouraging that because I think it's good for our state all around. I want to wrap up with some, with some fun stuff. we got a couple of minutes left here. What was your favorite UNC basketball team of all time? Well, it has to be 82. Uh, where Coach Smith said, go knock it in, Michael. And that freshman... Uh, knocked in that shot because Dean Smith was 
long overdue for an actual championship and the Jimmy Black, Matt Doherty, James Worthy, Sam Perkins, Michael Jordan team, uh, one of the best, one of the best ever. So that, that, that had to be my favorite. Buzz. Phil Ford, your, yours was next. You're listening. <laughs> you and Walter and the rest of the guys, you're next. <laughs> Does it, how, how do you feel seeing Hubert Davis, someone you watched as a player coaching the team? Now? Uh, great choice. I mean, Hubert overcame obstacles. He, he did more and became more of a player than anybody ever thought he would be or that he was told he would be. And, you know, I think his passion, his faith, uh, his belief in Carolina basketball uh, made him the, the perfect, perfect coach. Now, you know, we might need to develop some depth and that might be beyond going beyond his comfort zone to put some more players in. Like you mentioned earlier, I heard that offhanded comment about me seeing more court time than some of our players. You know, it's rare that Carolina has goes seven deep. I mean, that's 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 very rare. And so it'll be interesting. Of course, Miss Garcia. Uh, hope hope he can come back. But that that's an interesting tactic to to, to not play guys on the bench that, you know, highly regarded, highly recruited players. Be interesting to see how that all turns out. It will. It will. And, and, uh, you know, there's a couple of freshmen from North Carolina on the bench who styles styles and done. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 people want to see. Um, and that's, that's been interesting. Um, I think that's that's coach's decision. You know, we, we can Monday morning quarterback all we want. So well, if you if you're Monday morning quarterbacking, you're probably one step ahead of the Panthers, who have no quarterbacking at all. Oh my goodness! Now we're going to Panthers. No, we Let's can just, let, we can stay with the Hurricanes because it is a could be a Stanley Cup run coming up here. It could, and and I I promise you, I would give you one Hurricanes question. You, <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned earlier uh, all of the terrible Hurricanes hockey that you diligently sat through. <laughs> like many fans, back we'll cycle back to the average fan at the end here. What's it like for you to watch a team that's not only competitive, but, but dominant at times? So you're, you're talking about a guy who never played hockey growing up. Of course, I grew up in eastern North Carolina, had not really seen a hockey game live until I saw the Hurricanes, either 99 or 2000, but fell in love with the, the sport, the athletic ability, the skill, the speed. Uh, it's just stunning. The, the, the way these players, how good these players are and how talented and hardworking that they are. So fell in love with the sport. And it'll, it's interesting that a guy who grew up loving ACC basketball. I love football. We haven't even talked any football, but I'm a great football fan. But the greatest sporting event I've ever been to is Game 7, Stanley Cup, Hurricanes over Oilers. And it just was the greatest sporting event that I've ever been a part of. So yes, it's exciting to have a team that has the same look and feel, uh, as that what 2006 Mm. team, uh, you know, as to whether we even need to add a couple of veterans like that team did. I I don't know if, if our goaltenders, if, if Anderson and Ron to stay healthy. Wow. I mean, I think sky's the limit. For this team, we're not that far away from a true homegrown North Carolina NHLer. That's going to be that's going to be quite quite a moment. Um, we're we're going to get there soon. 
Well, I see uh, a lot of the kids are, are, are playing now and starting to come up and the hurricanes are having a lot to do that. And, uh, one thing I'm excited about next year is outdoor hockey. That's going to be yes. so much fun. Uh, ready, ready for that. I was ready for it before the pandemic and I'm Me too. ready, Me too. ready for it now. Governor, thank you thank so you much for my for hurricanes your question. Luke. Sure, I appreciate it. I'm not, I'll just tell our <laughs> listeners that was, that was part of the deal. That was the, that was the quid pro quo. That was that, our, our, the, our legislative whip got that done for us. Um, Yes, thank you for your time. I'm going to get off right now and go tell Phil Ford everything that you said. And we'll Please do. We'll Give get him that my best. Thanks, Luke. Uh, thank you so much Bye. for joining us. Appreciate it.